Before we begin this audio drama, the entire Muspa production team would like to acknowledge and pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which our podcast was written and recorded, the land of the Kulin Nations. Muspa pays respect to elders past, present and emerging. We recognise and respect their continuing culture and the contributions they make and have made to the creative arts with their rich storytelling tradition. We ask that our audience seek out these stories when they have finished this podcast. Sovereignty was never ceded and a treaty was never signed. This always has and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello. Welcome to Fair on the Forward Line. I'm the family Fairbottom. In our last episode, we discussed Bonzo the chimpanzee, whose meteoric rise to stardom further legitimised the animal athleticism industry. However, it would not be long before the animal sporting world would come to an abrupt halt. To understand why, we'll have to go back. Back to the American surprise victory against the Soviet Union. For this monumental moment in sporting history would kickstart a chain of events that would bring the animal sporting world to a close and see the creation of its most infamous figure. This is episode 5, Peeking Behind the Iron Curtain. this week goes back quite far, and it will be covering a lot of historical ground. However, you don't need to have a sophisticated knowledge of the Cold War to understand the unintended effects it had on the sporting world. In this podcast, we'll only be covering the moments important to our topic, so there may be some large time gaps. If you wish to know more about the history of the Cold War, then there are a great selection of other podcasts that you can listen to that will help further your knowledge on this turbulent time of Western history. It is important to note, however, that this podcast is the most interesting and historically accurate of them all. Now, on to the show. In the last episode, we discussed how Bonzo's skill and ability led the American ice hockey team to victory against the Soviet Union in the 1980 Winter Olympics. The game was dubbed the Miracle on Ice, as American triumph seemed near impossible against the four-time defending gold medalist team from Russia. However, what we failed to do in the last episode was discuss the ramifications of this match on Soviet-American relations, which were in constant competition due to the Cold War. To do this, we spoke to Vasily Lebedev, a Russian historian who specializes in the Olympic Games. The loss was devastating blow to regime. The weather conditions in Russia prevent us from being able to train for any sport that occurs outside Winter Olympic Games. So it was imperative at the time that Soviet Union display its strength to the world at any and every opportunity. We had won gold medal four times in a row. And then, at last minute, the Americans put a chimpanzee on their team, win, and call it miracle. Having animal that evolved to excel at ice hockey on your team isn't miracle. What was miracle was that they managed to find a group of Americans who were able to put down their cheeseburgers for long enough to have team in the first place. We also spoke to Billy Bob, a U.S. revisionist sports historian. 
doggy. Who cares if we got a chimp lane for us? We won, didn't we? Them commies never stood no chance anyway. Our boys went out on that ice rink and pummeled them red, white, and blue. Yeah! But the Olympics was far from the only sporting event the United States was showing up their Soviet rivals. Whilst animal athleticism was reaching an all-time high, human-only sporting competitions still had the ability to capture the world's attention and garner global support. One only has to look at the events that occurred behind the Iron Curtain in 1985 to see proof of this. Anyone living at the time can tell you exactly where they were when Russian champion Ivan Drago fought American heartthrob Rocky Balboa. Held as the greatest boxer since Matilda's disappearance, Ivan Drago had previously killed Rocky Balboa's best friend and possible lover, Apollo Creed, in their high-profile fight. After Apollo made the mistake of dancing into the ring for ten minutes, still, this emotional death did not shake Rocky's true American grit and stoicism, which had seen him through the champion bouts with James Clubber Lane and Apollo Creed twice. Beyond personal feelings of those involved, many commentators consider this fight to be somewhat clumsy and ill-informed analogy for Cold War. They viewed Balboa as plucky underdog, true American symbol, and despite ruling half-world and regularly overthrowing democratically elected governments in South America, United States saw fight against immense, powerful, and emotionless Ivan Drago as battle against Red Terror. Which would make sense to your everyday uninformed fat American capitalist pig. So, would it be fair to say there was bad blood going into this fight? Nah. Oh, yeah. The Balboa vs. Drago match was the first major sporting event in years that didn't involve an animal in any way. And, despite Rocky's insistence on training alone in the mountainous region of Krasnoyarsk, and Ivan Drago clearly using performance-enhancing drugs. Rocky managed to successfully defeat the Russian Superman in a final round knockout. He even converted the hostile crowd of Russian fans and politicians with his eloquent speech. I killed your guy. I'll kill you all. I can't change. You have to change. You say. You say. You say. The victory seemed to prove the supremacy of American gumption over Russian intelligence and left the already weakened Soviet regime humiliated. Rocky beating Ivan Drago was the biggest international victory America had seen in a while, which we really needed after everything that happened in Korea and in Vietnam. There was no coming back from that defeat. For decades, Soviet Union had relied on their advanced scientific research methods to propel them forward. So for all that work to be obliterated by beefcake with speech impediment and fascination for slow motion, it was shameful to say the least. Even head scientists of Drago training program got an early retirement. The loss had a resounding effect on Soviet support and morale but it was in seeing the success of athletes such as Matilda and Bonzo that the Russians realised that true sporting excellence wasn't achievable in the constraints of the human body. So they turned their attention to the animal kingdom.
Hey y'all, I'm Marilyn Werner. You may remember me from my philosophical victory in Bonzo Blake's famous trial against the Olympic Committee. Or my appearances in I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, Dancing with the Stars, or Season 1 of Yeelaw. Since my victory in the Blake case, I have carved out for myself a niche area of the legal profession as a go-to gap for serious philosophical debate. And now I want to share my talents with you. Do you want to sue mankind for the wrongful death of God? Call me. Want to sue the void for staring back? Call me. Want to argue that we live in one giant simulation and therefore it could have been anyone in that CCTV footage? Call me. Want to hold your parent accountable for negligently bringing you into this world where to survive you are forced to find meaning in a world that is purposeless, meaningless, chaotic, and irrational where even the idea that your life has intrinsic meaning or value is laughable? Call me. So if you need someone to apply the philosophy of a 21-year-old who's weirdly in a nature to the law without any regard for his possible ramification for a quick buck, well, y'all know what to do. Now, could I get you to check your mics, please? Testing. Testing. Hello? Hello? How am I sounding? Perfect. To understand the intricacies of the Soviet sports program, we managed to get in contact with two of the lead scientists that worked on it. For reasons of personal safety, they've asked that we use fake names. We'll call them Valeria Putsky and Natalia Drobska. They also asked us to alter their voices to sound like university students poorly attempting to replicate Russian accents. The failure of Ivan Drago showed that the human body is unable to reach the levels of peak sporting excellence that is required to defeat American persistence, no matter how many steroids you pump into it. An animal, however, is not restricted in the same way a human is, meaning that it is able to reach greater feats of athleticism in a shorter training period. Also, human rights barely existed under Soviet control, let alone animal rights, which meant we could basically do whatever we wanted. This wouldn't be the first time that the Soviet Union had combined genetic enhancement with animals to best the spread of American capitalism. In 1960, an election was held between United States Senator and Democrat John F. Kennedy and Republican nominee Vice President Richard Nixon. Whilst the pair represented conflicting parties, they had both made the same promise, be tougher in the fight against the spread of communism. It was close, but Kennedy managed to win by a slim majority, and his first major action was dealing with the growing tension that lay right on America's doorstep. We're not going to invade Cuba. That's the only one we've got uh, now. But we don't plan to invade Cuba under these conditions anyway. So if we can get them out, we've got to run. At the time, Cuba was controlled by Cuban nationalist and communist revolutionary Fidel Castro. Castro's policy had led to the construction of many schools, houses, and hospitals. However, it was the nationalization of Cuban business and seizure of Cuban land owned by America that displeased the U.S. government. Soviets saw Cuba as perfect strategic ally. It was a small nation that had communist sympathy, and it could really piss off capitalist power structures like Mafia or United Fruit Company. I don't care what anyone says. They were trying to take away our bananas. And nothing, I mean nothing, will stand in the way of a true-blooded American patriot and his regular potassium intake. Seeing the advantage of an alliance with Cuba, 
the Soviets began to aid the country in revolutionizing their defensive capabilities. We'd spent many years researching the use of animals in warfare. Problem is, when science goes unchecked, you'll end up with a lot of fat to trim. Basically, we had a lot of bioengineered animal superweapons and nowhere to put them. So, we sent all the rejects to Cuba. The Bay of Pigs is actually called that because the swamp was a perfect breeding ground for our mobile explosive swine division. You know who didn't know that? The American government. So, when the 17th April comes around... We also transported a bunch of supersonic signal squids over there. But the US thought they were missiles and things got all messy. After the whole debacle, we didn't want to deal with animal weaponry anymore. But Bonzo had proved that some weapons weren't used on the battlefield at all. Whether they liked it or not, the Cold War was an ideological one. And no amount of arms or superweapons can win an ideological war when destruction is mutually assured. The Soviets would need to change their strategy if they wanted any chance of combating the Americans. To change their strategy, they did. They scrapped their human sporting enhancement program and returned their focus back to animal-based genetic engineering. And in doing so, the Soviets created what would come to be the most infamous player in animal sporting history. What is Air Belov Bedinsky? Why, why he's a monster. Air Belov, he's a hero. In our final episode, we'll be discussing Air Belov Bedinsky and the end of the animal sporting world for good. This was a must production, a department of the MSA.